This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Remember the Mike Francesa Podcast is on the Bet Rivers Network. For all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York, it's Play Sugar House in New Jersey and Connecticut, and more on that as we head towards the football season, which is just now weeks away, and we have some uh, special programming available to you for the football season, which we'll get to once we uh, get a little deeper uh, or into the final days of August. And this is a uh, big weekend especially for the Mets as they play this five-game series with the Atlanta Braves. The Mets have opened up a four-game lead in the loss column, three-and-a-half overall. They obviously have to be very, very happy with the return of DeGrom, the bolstering of the bullpen, Um, they may not have been able to swing the deal that everyone had hoped for, but they did improve their DH position. They're getting healthier at catcher. And the people they have returning, both in the bullpen and then, of course, with the biggest acquisition of all, that of DeGrom, the Mets are in a very, very good position. The Braves are a good team. There's no question about it. And I think the Mets will probably hold them off. And they could even open up a little lead if they have a good couple of days here. And one thing you have to feel very, very good about. Number one, this team has had a terrific chemistry and a terrific cohesiveness all season under Buck Showalter. But the pitching right now sets up so well for October that you really have to be, if you're a Mets fan, very, very optimistic about where this team is. And knowing that, hey, the National League's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy when you have a team like the Dodgers, who now boasts the best record in baseball. And obviously, once the Padres get everybody in the lineup and get everything situated and get Tatis back, and healthy, and then let Soto get at home with what they have in that lineup. I mean, it becomes a uh, almost a murderer's row with that lineup that they become a very interesting team. But nobody, nobody has a better chance in the National League of going to the World Series than the Mets. And they set up very well for any postseason action with the pitching set up as it is right now. So I would think going into this series that begins, you know, this evening uh, and right against Carrasco is an interesting pitching matchup, but the Met pitching has been solid and it's getting better all the time. 
and you have to be very impressed by where they are right now. They've been able to withhold, you know, really hold the fort on certain areas over the last couple of months. And now if the Grom is going to be a big part of this, if he's going to be healthy, and you want to see more, obviously, before you are ready to stamp him as back, but just the fact that he's back on a major league mound and in a major league rotation is an enormous, an enormous boost to this Met team at a uh, very, very good time. So um, there's a good reason, if you're a Met fan, to be expecting special things going forward. The Yankees, who obviously did what they felt they had to do. Now, I like the Benintendi move, and then when I thought more about it and Carpenter was so hot, I thought that they didn't need Benintendi. We knew Gallo was going, but they didn't need, if Carpenter's going to play in the outfield, and you know you need to get LeMayu in the lineup every day, and he's been red hot now for the last month, there is no room for another player. And Benatendi has, you want to say it's typical New York stuff. Hey, he came here without a lot of expectations because he came to a team that's running away with a division that could allow him to just slide into the lineup comfortably, but he has looked awful. I was at the game the other night. I couldn't believe how bad his bats were. And I mean, he has been tentative. He's looked nervous. He's looked out of place, and he has gotten off to a nightmarish thought for the Yankees. He'll hit, but I don't think they needed him. They went out and got a pitcher, and they needed the pitcher. They went out and got some relievers. They needed them. But let's be honest. The question you have for the Yankees now is not in the lineup. And let's be honest. I know they made the move, and it was a surprising move to, 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 to trade Montgomery for Bader, but unless they are willing to sit a good bat, they are going to have to play judge in center field in the postseason. Forget the regular season. The Yankees are winning in the, in the regular season. We know that. They've been winning for months. It's all, it was over months ago with the start they got off to. But you want to see them play good baseball, and you want to see the pitching straighten out. And if you can't have complete, absolutely complete faith and confidence in your best starter and your closer, then you are nowhere. And right now, you can't tell me. Now, I know I've never been a coal guy, and I've always giving him a hard time since he's been here. To say that's fair. But I don't trust him. Forget what he did against Seattle the other day. I just don't trust him. And now, as we have talked about on this show and on past baseball podcasts that we've done, Bobby Valentine and I talked about it on numerous occasions. If Holmes came back to earth, what happens to the Yankees? And clearly what has happened to Holmes is he now has lost the touch with his out pitch. And you can see it by the number of walks. 
And that led to the first homer because what happens is when you start to lose control of your best pitch and you don't throw it freely, you then are going to wind up putting balls over the plate in spots you don't want to, which is what happened when he gave up the game-winning home run in that terrible loss to Kansas City. It was bound to happen because the walks have been building up. The hit by batters, the wildness has been building up. And yes, he got rocked by Boston and that shook him a little bit. But I don't want to say yet that Holmes is going through a crisis of confidence because I don't know that that's the case yet. But I do f- say this. If you're the Yankees, you can't take him and think you have Mariano Rivera or have a all-world closer until you see him do it in the postseason. He had a wonderful year. He was unhittable at times this year. But that was now a thing of the past. He has not been that guy recently as he has started to have problems with his command. And if you're a top reliever, you cannot have problems with your command. So the Yankees right now, you look at the lineup and you say, incredibly loaded with power. Are they still relying on the homer? They are. But you know what? They can win that way in the postseason. Are they better defensively this year? Yes. If you don't think the Yankees have been better this year defensively, then you're not paying attention. They've clearly been far better this year defensively. Have they been perfect? No, but they're far better. But do you trust the pitching now on a level where you think you expect enormous things in the postseason? The answer is no, you don't right now. You don't. You can't. And that makes this... A very interesting finish for them. Now, it is a always an interesting series when the Yankees and the Cardinals meet because of the history and what each team has meant respectively to their given league. But for the Yankees, it isn't about a division where they still have an 11-game lead. It's about getting back that fine edge that they had. Getting back that cloak of invincibility that they draped this team in early in the season. It's not there now. And let's be honest, in recent weeks, they've won games they didn't deserve to win. They've been given gifts at times. Or they could have lost a lot more games than they've won. Than they've than they've uh, than they have because they haven't played well, and it could be a lot worse. And they need to have the one, two, and three starting pitchers show you what they can do to give you a level of confidence behind them, and. They need to have a guy who can close the game without any, any shredded drought. And they don't have a guy now who produces that, who produces no doubt. They had uncovered someone very special. You know, King 
in the homes was tremendous for a very long time. They lose King to an injury, and now you see some chips being chiseled away from homes, just little bits and pieces. And it has to concern you if you're the Yankees. If you're the Yankees, I think you want to see this team get back and play on the level that it, that it reached on its way to amassing this incredible early season record. They want to get back and play like that team again this year. And you know what? It's been a while since they've played that way. So is there a concern for the Yankees? There better be. Is there a growing confidence if you're the Mets? There should be. And that's where we are as we hit this point in August. Nothing is going to be answered in the rest of the regular season. There's no way to do that. But you better go in to the postseason with a lot more answers than you have question marks. And right now, is that the case for the Yankees? Answer it honestly. You know, a lot of people early on got so giddy with the Yankees, they basically gave them a World Series and gave them a championship before the 4th of July. doesn't work that way. It's a long, long season. Your emails when we return. Email the Mike Francesa podcast. Drop Mike a note at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Mike Francesa podcast. Send the anything, your questions, comments, whatever to mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Chris in Hoboken. As a younger fan, born in 96, I was wondering what the feeling was amongst fans that called into the radio show when the Yanks were down 2-0 to the Braves. Had people given up hope? Yeah, that, Listen, the Yankees did not go into the postseason playing that well, but they did manage to get to the World Series. They knew they were facing a big-time team in the World Series, and they were a very big underdog. They were a 2-1 to underdog to lose that series to the Braves. The Braves were an overwhelming favorite. The Yankees got run out of Yankee Stadium those first two games, just absolutely embarrassed. And then, of course, you know what happened. But what happened was so amazing in terms of having a team that could go on the road and win games from way behind. Win classic pitches duel duels like Smoltz and, and Pettit had in game Five. Have a game that you're facing in game six, a, a legendary hurler in Maddox. And again, have Jimmy Key turn it over to that bullpen. That bullpen was so amazing. Remember that year, it was Wetland closing and Mariano as the setup man. And that's the best Mariano I think ever was that Mariano in that year. Before he even was a closer. 
That's how overpowering. In those days, he struck out a lot of people. He learned to be more economical and not strike as many people out as he became the greatest closer of all time. But he was an amazing pitcher that year. And that team knew how to win. And it got big hits from a lot of different people. And in that series, including guys you wouldn't have expected it from. But it was a very, very unique team. But did this town expect them to win when they were down 2 nothing in the World Series? No. Tommy in Morristown, do you think the Yankees will ever retire Alex Rodriguez's number? Uh, I know him and ownership have had its problems. Would you like to know your thoughts on his legacy in the Bronx? Uh, his legacy in the Bronx is going to be exactly what it was. One of good times, of tremendous performance, of MVP seasons, but also the lowest of lows. I don't think the Yankees have any uh, inclination to ever make A-Rod a permanent part of their history. I don't think they'll ever retire his uniform. I don't think there'll be any monuments anywhere. I don't think that's how A-Rod's career will be remembered with the Yankees. Mark in Jersey, I know you're New York based, but how can the Angels deal with being so bad with two of the best players in the world? Um, Great question. And now they have to deal with the issue with Trout, which you just don't know. Um, I mean, the Angels have admitted that they got it all wrong again the way they've cleaned house. I mean, they did talk about getting, unloading Atani. They didn't do it. They don't know where Trout stands with his back issues. Syndergaard's already gone, so they have a long way to go. And they have done an absolutely awful job from top to bottom, from ownership on down, they have been a disaster. And you're right, a disaster with two of the best, well, the singular, singularly best player in baseball over the last decade in Trout, and then a very impressive, unique player in Otani. Jason uh, writes, I know it's not the same old Mets, but it felt like the same old Mets at the deadline. Uh, why not get Soto or at least have your name in the reports? First of all, no one knows how close anybody comes to getting a player when they don't get them. So to, when you don't get a player, that's the end of it. No one knows if anyone was in there. You know the Mets are aggressive. I know there was this prevailing wisdom in a lot of places that owners were jealous and would not deal with the Mets because of Cone. I don't know that to be true. It makes a juicy story. I'm sure, though, that there is a little of that going on because that's just the way owners are. They don't want to see this very overpowering personality come in right away and win. Um, I think the Mets probably were as aggressive as they could have been. I don't think anything held them back except... They just didn't have the parts that would have landed him. Plus, hey, I don't think there was any way Washington wanted to trade Soto in the division. So I never thought he was coming to the division. 
as far as Atani, I don't know if they were ever serious about trading him. So I don't think you can get on the Mets for that. The Mets didn't make the blockbuster that people thought, but they went out and fine-tuned and improved themselves from a DH standpoint. And, of course, had the biggest acquisition of all, and that is re-getting DeGrom back. If DeGrom is back and he's DeGrom, they will have had the best acquisition midseason of anybody in baseball in a long time. Wilson emails DeGrom is already talking about optioning out of his contract, and the Braves have been linked to DeGrom. How devastating would that be for the Mets? Don't worry about that stuff right now. Let this season play out. That'll all handle itself, okay? If you're a Met fan, enjoy this season. Enjoy this ride. Enjoy this experience because it might be a special one. They are equipped. They are built to where they could be a very, very dangerous postseason team. And then you're not going to be worried about who he's signing with or where he's going or anything else. Remember, send your emails to podcast at gmail.com and we'll answer them most programs. Now, when we come back, a thought on Vince. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. You know, as I get older... You see so many of the iconic sports figures pass. Some that I watched as a kid growing up. Some I've watched through adulthood become such incredible performers. And this past week, we lost the legendary Bill Russell who, as I tweeted, there never was, there never has been, and never will be another player like him. The most prolific winner in the history of team sports. Case closed. Leader, winner, activist. But now that has been followed by the passing of the legendary Vin Scully. There are very few times when somebody in their craft is recognized singularly, solely, universally as the best. If you asked Media, fans, whomever, those with an interest in baseball, those who know baseball. Give me the greatest baseball announcer ever. I think it would come back 99% Vin Scully. Vin Scully had that reputation. And he brought you 
a presentation that was clearly prepared, clearly one that was handled expertly in terms of timing, in terms of presentation, in terms of vocabulary. You know, like a lot of big announcers and big broadcasters, Vince Scully did football. Vince Scully did golf. But Vince Scully was known for one thing. And that is he was the voice of the Dodgers. But that doesn't even do it justice. He was bigger than the Dodgers. He was bigger than any broadcaster was with any team. He was recognized that way as the best at what he did, but also he was the Dodgers in every way. And he did it with a lyrical, melodic tone and presentation that painted such a succinct and inescapable artistry that allowed him to just bring you the action and bring you the happenings in such a way that you were kind of mesmerized by his words. He was the best. He was theatrical. He was flawless in his presentation and really one of the iconic baseball broadcasters, the most iconic and and the, the most cherished and clearly the best. You won't have broadcasters have the presence or the reach in the future. It doesn't work that way anymore. And remember, baseball and radio have such a marriage, just like football does with television. Football's, the NFL's marriage to the medium of television is perfect. Well, that's how baseball and radio have been. You listen to a game done by a tremendous play-by-play man, and you don't think you're missing anything. As a matter of fact, the game is enhanced to you. The theater of the mind that is produced, what the game that is presented to you through the announcer is more than enough for you. You don't need to see it. A lot of people don't. A lot of people didn't. And that's why you could go aisle to aisle inside Dodger Stadium and hear the tones and hear the the sounds of Vince Scully. Russell Scully, passing of an era. You know, I used to always tell the guys when I was doing the program, I used to say, okay, Here's the next person you have to be prepared for. 
Now, I don't want to say who I would tell them to prepare for right now because that means I'm almost trying to predict their demise, so I don't want to do that. But obviously, at a certain age, you start to think about certain people who will have a big impact when they go. So we used to always plan for that and say, hey, you know, have this ready. Have some stuff ready about Ali, uh, about Ali. Have some stuff ready for... You know, Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio, Arnold Palmer, etc. And as these iconic figures pass by, you know, there's an impact where you step back and remember all they did. And clearly, like I said, Russell's accomplishments will live forever. Scully's Talents and sound, what he brought to that franchise will live forever. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.